Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a, at a point right now where they're, I think, clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of fun, Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. Uh, and we've got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. Yes, we are back. Episode number 11. Week one's in the books, guys. Uh, you know, a lot of questions were answered. More questions were generated. How'd you feel about your team there in the opening week? Jeremy, we'll start with you since you're the lone winner in the room today. <laughs> Tell us yeah. about the second half. We're, we're going to forget about that first half, the second half of that game. Uh, the first half, we, we had, uh, the Red Wolves had started a Florida State transfer, a guy named James Blackman, who didn't have a bad game. He just didn't have a great rapport with the receivers. He ended up in the third quarter losing his helmet. So he's scrambling around trying to get it back on before the refs notice, and the refs say, no, you got to get on the sideline. In comes Lane Hatcher, who immediately tosses a 36-yard touchdown to Corey Rucker, ends up passing three more touchdowns in a quarter and a half, and steamed past uh, UCA in the last uh, in the last half to secure a uh, something like a 40 to 27 I forget the final score victory but uh yeah it was uh it was a bit of a defensive struggle in the beginning and then it worked out uh, at the end but UCA is always tough for us they really want to beat us so it was good to have that win and now we're looking forward to Memphis Ben what the hell happened okay I guess yeah, I guess it's my turn. Well, um, Georgia State fought the Army and the uh, and came out uh, pretty much like everyone else in American history. Um, it uh, it didn't end well, uh, as I mentioned last week. Uh, basically, turnovers and you can't give a triple option multiple times and get up possessions, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, you know, I, I think um, it, it was it was over by halftime, which you know Panther fans have have seen this movie before. And I, and I got a note from uh, our colleagues who covers. Uh, uh, Georgia State and Georgia Southern uh, for, for SB Nation. He said, is this what this is like covering the Panthers? And I basically said, yeah, pretty much. You're going to have a trading game a year, which you really can't explain. Uh, the coaching staff certainly didn't seem to explain it either. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're they're 0-1 and no big deal. You just go travel to a very agitated uh, North Carolina squad who got smacked in the face uh, up in Lane Stadium on Friday night as well. So uh, it should be fun. Heisman Trophy candidate should uh, – you know, should be getting in the crosshairs for the uh, Panthers defensively. But uh, there, there's folks already writing off at least half the season already. I've seen 0-5 predictions. So, uh, but we, we take it one week at a time, Dusty. And then there was ULM. I think coming into this game, y'all asked me, all of our guests asked me, what's ULM going to do this year? And I was like, I don't know. But a guy that does know that joins us, boots on the ground, he was there suffering with me as well as we watched Kentucky beat ULM this past weekend to open the season. Adam Hunsucker from the New Star joins us. Adam, what did we learn on Saturday? Before we get into that, I think we should go back to the very first moment you and I suffered together in a press box because I think it really dovetails nicely into this game. If you remember back in 2015, you and I made the trip to Athens, Georgia. Uh, We were both, God, what was it? We were both, what, seven years younger? I was about 50 pounds heavier. 
Um, and it, it was, uh, I just remember us being in there after, in that second quarter when it really got away and you were getting mad, you were getting agitated, you know, Nick Chubb, five yards, <clears throat> excuse me, Nick Chubb, seven yards, Johnny Michelle, six yards. And you were just kind of saying stuff and getting mad and mad and mad and mad. And I just, I don't know, I guess this was, I was still kind of getting my bearings about me with the ULM experience. So I remember I was just sick of it. And I looked at you and said, Dusty, what in the, did you think was going to happen today? And that kind of segues nicely in, in, into where we are here because um, there were a lot of unknowns, as you put it, and that was by design. Terry Bowden decided that this unknown was going to be a competitive advantage and they were going to use that to the hill. Things like, you know, not even getting a roster until uh, a couple of days before the game. We got the depth chart at like, like midnight the night before. Um, we kinda, I kind of had an idea – who we would see because, um, you know, had to do a little detective work. And it was about what I expected. I know some, uh, I know some, some of the, some of the Warhawk faithful are, were, a little, were a little heated at um, my, my preseason predictions. And I picked uh, Kentucky to beat ULM 45 to seven. They did it 45 to 10. So I apologize for those three points in, in, in advance. I really do. Um, but, you know, to the game itself, I mean, a lot has been made uh, here locally about Rhett Rodriguez's performances. Obviously, Rich Rod's son, the Arizona transfer, and quite frankly, it's too soon to do that. I've got a column dropping here in a few few hours about that because the kid was running for his life every play. And when you're going to get mauled like that up front, it doesn't matter who's back there. It could have been Caleb Evans. It could have been Colton Browning. It wouldn't matter because that's how superior Kentucky was up front. I do think even though the defense gave up a lot of big plays through the air, that there is some optimism with that unit because despite the numbers, they had four sacks and first three, first three turnovers, and there is experience on that side of the ball. A lot of those kids have been in the line since they were freshmen. So I do think you can take that away, but um, it, was a, it was a long afternoon for the good ship Warhawk over in, um, in, in Lexington. It was, like I said, it was kind of what, what, I, what I expected because that's the other thing. Um, they signed 62 new players. There are 62 new players on this roster. Uh, six of those were starting and a bunch more littered in the TD. I think the, the offensive line, the start, that starting group, there was four redshirt freshmen or freshmen in there. So it's going to be, you got to be patient when you got this kind of turnover. It's by no means a finished product. And I don't think it will be until later on in the season because Jackson State's coming up. And what I watched the other night from them, should be a good night for ULM in the home opener, but I don't think you're going to be able to tell much with that either, just because it's like this swinging like this with the, you know, just with the competition on the other side. I really think it won't be until Troy until we know something. Hey, Adam, um, I was watching uh, Sunbelt uh, Media Days. I was there virtually like a lot of people, and I, I got to listen to the Terry Bowden talk a little bit about his team, and you can tell that he uh, knew that there would be some holes to fill and that there'd be time to take, you know, he's kind of a, a sort of mid or sort of a team or uh, what was a good way to look at it? a struggling team horse whisperer in a way where he sort of can build up a team that has historically had trouble. Is Terry in town to build up this, this team or is he in town to win games right away? Well, I think he's in town to build up this team, but he realizes the reality of college football. And even in a place like ULM where, you know, patience should be paramount above everything else that if he doesn't show some signs of upward trajectory, that this thing, this thing's not going to be pretty. So He's told, and he's told us he's made no secret of that. He wants to go five years. 
he wants to put this thing on um, on good footing so then the next guy can have something to work with and see what happens from there. And this is the first step in the process. I mean, he made it clear from jump that this, this roster was going to be, you know, basically gutted, and it, and it has been. So I think he's he think he's eyeing building and doing that thing, but he realizes that he's got to get he's got to get not that there weren't good players in this program before I think there were but they're not what he wanted, and that's the thing when you have a coaching search sometimes people lose sight of the fact they think that everything the previous staff did was wrong no it wasn't and um, they think that you know everything is about you know just it's just going to be better because it's new and it's really not it's just different. There are so many ways to coach and so many ways to build a program, and this is just Terry's way of doing it. And it's worked for him at several places, and we'll see what it does here. So I did a lot of research over the weekend because we've talked about conference realignment and how it's bigger than just what you're doing on the field. It's also on the academic side. What is going on? Because it's great to have the name brand coach of Terry Bowden, Rhett Rodriguez, I mean, uh, Rich Rodriguez. But what's happening, as, as we say at ULM, on the other side of the bayou to help this side of the bayou? Well, they do, they're doing a few things differently. Um, since Ron Barry's became the president, I don't think when he got that job, I mean, he's only been the president for a year. I'm, I want to say it was August when he was get, when he got that job, maybe later than that. You know, the 2020 is up in the air, so my, my, my months have mixed together when we were all going through that. But anyway, when he first got that job and got there for his first day, it was full-blown in the middle of that season, and he was shocked by how many emails and comments and things, unsolicited advice he was getting about the football program. So that was something that took him by surprise. And he's really tried to get um, a handle on that. It's like, it's like a, it's like a joke I used to have with Nick Bruno. Yeah. Nick Bruno and I used to tell jokes together, believe it or not. Um, And it was, you know, if if, if it wasn't for football and fraternities, this would be the easiest job in the world. And it it, it really is true. Um, I like to think that I contributed to both of those. Well, I think he did. Um, so they're trying to do some different things to generate some funds um, for this program. I don't know how successful it, it will be. I think Ron is eager and he's trying to do the right thing. But part of me wonders if it's just too far gone, because really what this place needs is another $30 million in the athletic budget. You know, they tried this Barry Bowden Roadshow where they went through Dallas and Shreveport and um, New Orleans, Bat- Baton Rouge try. And we'll see how it goes. One thing they have done is on the fundraising side, they have combined the the Warhawk Club, what was the old athletic foundation, and um, the regular university foundation. Maybe combined is not the white word, but let's say, let's say they're pulling the resources. Let's say that. And they're going to try to fundraise together for the for athletics. I mean, that there's been tension between those two groups for years. And first of all, I think the university should be hitting up Dusty Thibodeau and trying to shake it, shake those money bags for a, 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 an influx but uh i make it i make it hell nickels baby <laughs> yeah man but uh i'm wondering too did, did not the, the the hiring of terry bowden kind of kind of prove to a lot of the alumni especially after matt Beater, who was a, to me i thought was a solid hire but he wasn't a flashy hire he's another fcs guy that seemed to have a little bit of success and let's see what we can do with him it didn't work out but Terry's a guy who's who's got some credentials and he, he has a history for winning. So it's that looked like to me like ULM was saying, we're not about to just give up. We're about we're, we're still in this thing. So do you think that this was a signal to the to the fan base to say, hey, listen, we're put going all in. And now we need you to go all in. I think that's how they're trying to sell it. And you're right. They're not giving up in a lot of ways. This is their last shot. If, if this doesn't work, then. I mean, you're looking at you're looking at 
they're not going to make the decision on their own to go to FCS, back to FCS. I do think that decision could be made for them based upon what happens in realignment. But, you know, to your point, and I think it's been interesting with, with when Terry was first, when we broke the news that Terry was, um, Terry was getting his job, is there was definitely a divide in the age range about how big this hire was and what people thought. Because I think, I think ULM's an older fan base in general. So a lot of the old heads see Terry Bowden and they think Auburn. And a lot of the young guy, younger fans are like, what did we just do? So I, I think people are more in the middle about that now, but it was funny. I mean, even some of the players were hitting me up when, when, uh, when we broke the news. And so it's kind of like, I don't know what to tell you guys. I mean, he had some salty Auburn teams when I was in elementary school. But, um, but you know, he, he has galvanized folks, you know, to give him credit. He's, he's, been, he's been, you know, barnstorming all throughout the state. And that's how they're trying to play this. And even if you look at all their messaging and branding in the offseason, it's been very coach-centric. I mean, it's, 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 it's one of the oddest things. I probably, uh, on, on an official basis anyway, I probably talk to players less than I ever have um, covering this program. But um, that's how they're going to try to do it. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But at the end of the day, this – and Dusty can attest to this. He's he's lived he's lived amongst the locals longer than I have. If you don't win, you're going to be irrelevant in this market. And even when you do win, it's still tough. How do you see? I know you gave your predictions that were pretty bleak earlier on. Um, I think it was what one win, two wins, maybe. Uh, uh, I, I went I went one and ten. One and ten. What do you see that it's going to take? to get that second, third, fourth, and so forth this win? Or is it even a possibility this year? Well, it might be. We'll see. I mean, there's so many factors in play with that. You're going to look how all these other teams do. Uh, Troy, for instance, that staff is um, – that staff's feeling right now. If they don't win, there's probably going to be a change. And um, is that somebody ULM can compete with? I think that's a good measuring stick for them. Texas State, that's another one. where That, that involves winning in San Marcos. That'll be tough. I think you can compete with them. South Alabama, I don't know. I mean, maybe Southern Miss is just really bad. But <laughs> if you talk to any coach around the Sun Belt, they will have told you for at least three years that South Alabama has talent and it just wasn't coming coming together with Steve Campbell for whatever reason. So, I mean, that that's that's probably your best bets outside of an unknown. But really, um, you know, I did I did make my predictions. I, I still think there's a side of me that's like. Kyle wants to see how things go at Troy before, you know, we get a definitive statement because again, you, you've played one game against a far superior team. Now you have a bye week. Then you're going to play, play a team in Jackson state who yeah has a bunch of four stars they brought in, but you should still, I feel still be still beat how they beat them. I don't know, but so there's going to be, this thing's just going to have to play out. I think right now it's okay to say, we don't know. Speaking of that next game there against Jackson state, what are your thoughts on Coach Don't Call Me Dion Sanders and his Jackson State uh, experiment? He's played this masterfully. I mean, go back to conference media day. I, I think it was the week of SEC media day. Actually, we were talking about we were talking about Dion because that's what all this because that, that's what this is. It, it, and all this stuff. It's I think uh, I think somebody else made this point too, but it's wrestling. It, it's exactly what it is. I mean, he's. He's out here cutting promos and drawing heat to get attention on himself to draw all the, all the eyeballs. That's what he's trying to do with Jackson State. And to me, the more interesting thing is we still really haven't answered the question is um, this whole experiment. Is Dion doing this for the kids in the school or is he doing this for Dion? And it makes you wonder because if you go and look at the way the saga of prime prep unfolded, that can't leave a good taste in your mouth. But I would say as somebody, you know, being in this market, and, you know, getting a taste of HBCU football and seeing, 
you know, the good work that, you know, you know, Grambling and Southern do in this state and Jackson State and Mississippi and schools throughout the area. There's a broader mission at place with an HBCU, and I hope he's doing this for the kids in the school, but we will see. So you saw the Kentucky game, Adam, and now you get the rest. You've seen how the quarterback reacted. You've seen how some of the defense reacted. Who on the team gave you, like, some hope that you looked at and said, this might be somebody that the fans can really get behind? Well, and I'll, t- I'll tell you one. I mean, the numbers won't, won't be eye-popping, but just watching him play and just seeing the reaction already. I think Boogie Knight is about to make a boatload of money in uh, name, image, and likeness as soon as he gets hooked up around here. It's something I was joking about with uh, somebody at ULM, you know, Michael Lertle, the point guard. If he had stayed at ULM and not gone to UAB, he'd be cleaning up right now. And I think you're going to see Boogie Knight do this. Uh, definitely looks the part. Um, you know, did did a good job. I think he's going to. I think he's going to get a bunch of targets this season and be uh, and be that guy. Not only that, he's marketable. I mean, the name alone speaks for itself. I don't know if I don't know if the boy has seen the movie in which he has taken his moniker from, I, or that that would be hysterical if he had not. But I definitely think he's a bright spot. I think on um, on the defensive end. Ty Shelby had a great game at defensive end, two sacks, and that's a kid that's got he's been around forever. I mean, he's he's a six-year senior, super good kid, just just wants to a lot of them that have hung around just want to win, want to be successful. I mean, that's a kid that you know was pressed into duty on the basketball team a few years ago. He, he got out there and hooped a little bit. So um, cool to see him have a good game. Hope he has a good year, but that's definitely two to watch. We mentioned him earlier. We are now joined by the man with the best name in all of college football, and especially for ULM. <laughs> Boogie Knight. First, first question is, how did you get the name Boogie? Yeah, so, yeah, I definitely get that question a lot. So, the name Boogie came from, like, youth football. Like, growing up, I, I have a ton of, like, older cousins playing in the backyard. Like, I, just really early on, they realized I was kind of, like, a shifty. Like, I was really quick, really shifty. And then as, like, youth football started, that kind of, like, that name built. My dad gave it to me when I was about six or seven in, like, youth football. And it kind of just grew over the years. And by the time I got to high school, it was, like, that became my name. Like, I don't even like, that's what I go by. Like, that's what my teachers call me. That's what my coaches, that's what my parents call me friends. And it just grew. And now it just really stuck. So not affiliated with the movie at all. Uh, I mean, that might've had some, it might've had some pull from my parents' perspective, but I don't think that it really correlates. I don't know. They might've just rang because it sounds good together. It flows. They might've just, might've just been a perfect scenario. So Boogie, you had a great weekend this past weekend. Talk about kind of coming into this season, because really the team was almost like a, a, a secret. No one knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. No one knew what was going to happen. Um, you know, those close to the ULM program kind of knew your name, didn't really know what kind of caliber of player you were going to be. Obviously knew Rhett's name. What did y'all really see in those early practices coming into the season? Yeah, so it, we it, like having so many transfers, a little at first, like it's like you kind of got to get that chemistry, like me and Rhett threw together every day the entire summer so we have that chemistry but it's about like getting all these different guys with a ton of we have a ton of talent here it's just kind of getting us all on the same page and just become one and I think it's going to continue to grow week by week and I think like Kentucky we started out strong we, we showed a lot of like light but um it just comes down to like really just getting that chemistry and just being able to hold that momentum and and just continue to grow as a team I think that's like the biggest thing. You followed Bowden down from Akron, where you originally signed out of high school. Mm-hmm. What are the similarities or the things that you've seen that he's brought from Akron or, or that you see maybe that he's doing a little bit differently that might work in Monroe? 
Yeah, so Coach Bowden, he's got a lot of similar qualities the way he runs the program at Akron, but I think him and Rich Rod are kind of like that perfect uh, coaching like duo because Rich Rod's a little more like tougher, like hard nose, where Coach Bowden's more like that like old school football, and it kind of like collabed and made like in my I love the way we practice, I love the way we play, I love our scheme. It took just two great football minds and kind of combined it into like a mega mind, and I think it's going to really like show these next few weeks, this, this whole season and continue forward. Like just a lot of, a lot of knowledge, a lot of history between these two. And it's just, it's got its similarities to Akron, but I think it's grown for the better. I think it's got tougher. I think we work harder. I think just play harder, play quicker. Like the speed that we play at now, I've, we never played even close to that. We were no huddle at Akron, but it was no comparison. So Boogie, uh, we saw earlier before the season started, we saw some videos of Terry in his pool with the players having a good time. Is Terry somebody that is fun to be around when he's not on the gridiron or is that just for the video? No. Yeah. Coach Bowden, I've told multiple people since, since the first day I got here, he's definitely a player's coach. He, he really cares about his players. He, he would do anything he can for his players. And I, I think the players are starting to realize that more and more. I knew that coming in because at Akron, he just he cares so much about his players and he gives back gives back to the community. He's just all around. He's a good guy in front of the camera, off the camera, and he's stuff like that. Like we do pool days. Like he always he's just always taking care of us, like looking out for us. Being an Ohio now, guy, did you ever figure out what a bayou was that runs through campus? Yeah, so no, I heard about it. I heard about the show. Um, I never really knew much about it. I never knew much about Louisiana. I was kind of picturing down south, like more like a a Florida vibe, but I got here and it wasn't, but it's cool. I like it. It's definitely different. The heat's different, a lot different than Ohio, but I'm getting used to it. I'm starting to like it down here. So, you know, you're citizen of the Mac. Now you're the citizen of the Sun Belt. Are there, you haven't, don't have much data, so you probably can't answer this question uh, in a, in a, with all knowledge, but have you seen much difference between the Sun Belt and the Mac? Yeah, just from my understanding and just a lot of the film I watch they're very similar conferences. It's kind of like some belts, the Mac of the South. Um, it seems like the Mac is a little more like hard nosed football where the, down South, it seems like more like speed game. Like it's a little faster, like a little bit better athletes, uh, a little like, like the DBs down here a lot better. I feel like um, I'm still getting used to it. Like I said, I only really played against Kentucky this year. So, but even so like just DBs from here uh, at Monroe compared to Akron, they just seem better. They just seem like better athletes. Like, I feel like that's like the biggest difference is like the speed and athleticism and some belt is a little bit better than the Mac. The big off season topic has been NLI. What have you done to try to capitalize on, on, like I said, the best name in college football? Yeah. So I really like after that first game, my name was kind of blown up on Twitter. My brother, he kind of takes care of that. Like, cause I'm trying to just focus on football and he really, uh, he helps me a lot with that. Like he's reaching out to people and then people start reaching out to me and he's been in contact with them, but yeah, I mean, I always knew my name was, like, intrigued people. But after that game, it, he was showing me all these tweets. A ton of people were loving the name. So then that a clothing company reached out to me, and they want to make shirts, like, advertising my name and the Boogie Nights, the movie, like, kind of combine it in one, like, my name with that font with my number inside. And so far, I got a lot of good reviews. I got a lot of people reaching out, asking me to make it, and they want to buy it. So it's pretty cool. So, Boogie, uh, I, I know that you're pretty new to Monroe and you're new to the Sun Belt. The last game of the season is with the Cajuns. And I know that Dusty looks forward to that game. 
have you prepared yourself mentally, physically, and spiritually for the hatred that's about to come in Louisiana on that week? And, and, and before yeah. you answer that, let me tell you my craziest Lafayette story. Oh, this God. Ha- this happened <laughs> where Jaron Johnson, he was defensive tackle from right there in Ravel. Of course, the student section is right there, giving him grief, giving him grief. Somehow an entire pizza makes its way onto the field. Oh, wow. So Jaron decides, yeah, time for a good old mid-game snack. <laughs> it helped because I think he wound up having two two tackles for loss on the following drive. But just letting you know, that's the kind of craziness to expect for that. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, so coming from the MAC, like at Akron, we had a really good rival with Kent State. It's probably similar to that, but yeah, we never had nothing quite like that. But I, I love, I live for like rivalry games. I love the pressure. I love like just the atmosphere and college football is like something that is, is better than like anything else. Like the way people act, like they're going to give us hate, but it, to an extent, I use it as motivation. Like it, it's cool. But um, like I said, it's just football it comes out and just playing a game. Like I kind of zone it. Once the game starts, I don't really hear anything outside of the field, outside of the calls from the coaches. And it, it just kind of creates that fun. And like you have memories, like it creates good memories for everybody. Well, Boogie, I know you got to get out of here. I appreciate you stopping by. We look forward to seeing what you can do on the field this year and, uh, you know, trying to have you back later in the year. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks. Thanks Boogie. Hey, Adam, we've got like, uh, you've got the, the, Coastal in the east, and you've got Louisiana in the in the west. <laughs> Louisiana, Lafayette. Thank you. In the, Thank you. In the west, uh, those are the two uh, the teams expected to to win b- both divisions. Who do you see as sort of sort of wildcats, wild cards who could come in and maybe bust up that party? Well, it's funny you say that. I picked App State to win the league, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. I thought if Chase Bryce was Clemson, Chase Bryce, and not Duke, Chase Bryce, that they'd be right there in it. And I caught a little bit of them in East Carolina. Now, granted, ECU may be the worst team in the American this year. They're more Tulsa, but they put it on them. They looked really good doing it, too. I think um, I think they've gotten back to their roots more offensively now that Frank Ponce, who's part of that whole uh, Scott Satterfield crew, has come back from Louisville as the offensive coordinator. Because with Tony Peterson last year as the OC, they were trying to do the old app stuff, but we're a little all over the place. And now it's back what we expect. Um, they're going to run inside and outside zone 40 times a game. They will have some uh, misdirection play action off of it, and you will not be able to stop it. I think they're. I think they. Um, I think they're going to win the league. I thought until Saturday that the Cajuns had the best path to maybe get in the U. To get in New Year's Six game, if they could go down there and maybe get one from Texas, like they did against Iowa State last year, plus with Liberty on their schedule, and then having to go play either Coastal or App in the Sun Belt Championship game if they were to win the division. I thought that would do it. That may not be the case now, but um, yeah, I'm going Mountaineers. In full disclosure, though, he is a uh, Appalachian. So I am, I am an Appalachian. <laughs> I, am from, I am from the great state of Tennessee. Bristol is not that far from Boone. In fact, uh, my grandfather, um, and when he was still with us, was quite fond of the Daniel Boone Inn up there in Boone, North Carolina. Great place to eat. If you're down there, go check it out. Well, quite frankly, you're right about Chase Price. I was one of the guys that was like, I saw the interceptions for while he was with Duke and thought, I'm not sure why anybody's high on this guy. And he really looked the part. Uh, against East Carolina, it was really hard not to to see what uh, Louisiana Lafayette was really good too. In that um, they didn't look good against Texas, 
You know, I, I I was hoping for at least a good game, and I never really felt like they they had a good handle on it. So, yeah, I think you're right on both cases. It might be App State that 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 unrings that bell that we've already seen with Coastal Louisiana. No, I, I agree, and I, I thought I thought the Cajuns, um, you know, because they were they were within a score at, at halftime, I believe, or it was it wasn't far from them. So I thought, you know, maybe they'll get to the, in the fourth quarter and see. See how this goes. No, no. Um, Bijan Robinson had other ideas. That kid is uh, that, that that kid is, is really good. And um, but then again, I don't don't write don't write them off yet either. I mean, this may be this, this is the interesting thing with them because I mean, this would all be set up for the year for Billy Napier to ride off into the sunset. I don't know what jobs are going to be open. I think that's too soon to tell yet. Um, unless you know we take a litmus test. If you all saw that, um, if you all saw the events that unfolded in Pasadena into the wee hours of Saturday night, maybe that's one. I don't know. Um, so it, it's they're going to be interesting to watch going forward down there in uh, Lafayette. Is Coach O not the best though? Where he calls out a fan in his sissy blue yellow or sissy blue shirt. I mean, who else could get away with that? I mean, I don't think people understood what he was saying, but you know, I mean, who else could do that? Well, did he do it? Did he get away with it? It seems like he's paid a pretty heavy heavy price for that right now. No, no, he's not. He's paying a heavy price because they went out there and got drugged. It's got nothing to do with, nothing to do with do with that video, and plus, um, he got a receipt from UCLA. Their uh, their version of "Get the Gap" was was quite savage. I was uh, yeah, was impressed. <laughs> Week one though, Sun Belt second best team amongst the G five, winning six games, dropping four sixty percent. It hurts me to say it. Conference USA at sixty four percent was the win. American thirty six percent. I feel just so enthralled saying that. That they're now at the bottom. It's it's one a week. I would caution you there. <laughs> Man, slow the roll a little bit. Yeah, my, my, I do have a buddy at Vanderbilt, and uh, they did not have a good weekend in the least. We'll say. Oh, oh, oh yeah. You, no, talk that, about, that, no, you talk about expectations. What is your true expectation if you're a Vandy fan? Don't lose uh, DTSU by three. Don't, don't lose DTSU by twenty at home. Uh, oh man, I, I was I was thinking more like be front in the front of the line for the orange slices after the game. <laughs> oh, as we said, week one, App State huge win over East Carolina. I think that really set the tone for the the conference and, and kind of showing um, that they weren't a flash in the pan. Backing up Adam's statement there of of how. They are legit and probably contenders there for, you know, the conference title, maybe even the East, uh, especially over Coastal Carolina, who also won on Thursday over the Citadel. It wasn't even close. It it really wasn't. Their offense tallied over uh, 600 yards of total offense. Grayson McCall continued to put on a show, passing for over 260 yards. Grayson being Grayson. Yeah, I thought Coastal Carolina actually looked as a program pretty good on ESPN three of all places. They had a pretty good crowd. They had the had the uh, mascot on the uh, on the sea dew with wheels. You know they they blew out their opponent. So uh, I thought that was a win for the Sun Belt. I don't know if Citadel is a true test of greatness, but uh, certainly Coastal passed that first test. Then Saturday, kick off the early morning there. ULM falls to Kentucky, Georgia State. Um, Maybe they'll make it to the stadium on time so that they can have a rematch. Arkansas State showed up the second half. I don't know where they were the first half in that game. Georgia Southern really, 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at Georgia Southern Garner Webb game, it was a five point game. I really think that that was a lot closer than what most people were really thinking. Well, didn't Georgia Southern year they do this struggled with mightily. Campbell last year or the year before? It was Campbell last year. Yeah, same, same yeah. use. I mean, basically, they had to have a defensive stand to win the game. Yeah, so may, maybe maybe we don't take too much out of that yet with the Eagles because they still got it pretty together. Got to the New Orleans Bowl and annihilated a Louisiana Tech team that had won six bowl games in a row. So might, might be might be pulling the hook there a little a little too quick. You just made me a Georgia Southern fan. <laughs> Bless your heart. Oh, we, we could do we could do we could do a whole story on this quote unquote rivalry. Y'all will not let die, but we may have to. <laughs> We have to save that for another show. Exactly. Louisiana Lafayette, I thought they looked okay going against Texas. Uh, definitely one-dimensional, though, that Levi Lewis, it was his show, 282 yards passing and just 76 yards rushing. I think if they can't run the ball, they will not win games, period. They have got to be two-dimensional because everyone's going to have those top defensive backs going against that receiving core of the Cajuns. It should be something that I'd be concerned about if I was down there in Acadiana because this team has built an identity with Billy Napier around running the football, not just running, but just annihilating people at the line of scrimmage. That's what they do. And, you know, physicality, it made you wonder if they'd be – you kind of – I kind of felt good on how they would match up with Texas. But, you know, they had, they had a couple linemen out that did not help. And um, that's something they're going to have to fix going forward because if they can't run it, it's, it's, it's not going to be much fun. Not surprised uh, that South Alabama really dominated Southern Miss 31-7 to in that. Kane Womack, first win, first game at the helm, and, and lights it up. Uh, I actually thought that was the biggest win of the Sun Belt. Uh, you know, you, like, like you said, uh, East uh, Carolina is just sort of a team – sort of down on its luck right now, which, and that was a big rivalry game between South Alabama and Southern Miss. So it wasn't like neither team had much to, to win for. So I thought that was a big win for uh, Womack. I thought it was a big win for the program. It was a big win for that to open up that stadium, even though it's a year old, they felt, they feel like it's their opening season this year. So I thought that was the biggest win of the Sun Belt. And Jalen Tolbert, five catches, 168 yards. It's going to happen a lot this year, so just uh, get ready. Southern missed four turnovers. Four. Is that is that a sign of South having a good defense, or Southern Miss is just that bad and turning it over? They may just not be very good. Jeremy called it that Texas State was going to beat Baylor. It was by the spread, but they <laughs> still won. That was a crap safety at the end. I don't care what they say. It's officially 27 to 7. It was not 29 to 20. You know, too little, too late. McBride, maybe it was nerves knowing the game uh, with, you know, the big university there being on campus in San Marcos. Three interceptions. And I think that was really the difference because each one of those led to points on the board for the Bears, including the pick six. Yeah, I didn't get to see the game. I imagine, though, that. Uh that Commissioner Keith Gill saw the game because he said he was going to go watch it. So maybe we need to have him on to give give us some uh, uh, some highlights of the game. But yeah, I really had a good feeling about that Texas State game. I, I feel like Spavadol is 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 sort of rolling all the dice to try to make this his season. Uh, and I thought a win over the Bears would have been a, a really nice feather in that cap. Didn't get the win, but also didn't get embarrassed, and that might be all that he could hope for. Well, j- just a random thought, but is there a coach that we regard 
as a such a high caliber offensive mind that really has not matched up to the product as much as Jake Spavital? I mean, that's all we heard. I mean, you look at the tree and everybody said, you know, you've got um, Sonny Dykes, Kevin Sumlin, and um, oh, I just just drew, drew blank. Our, 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 our boy, uh, our boy that's at Houston right now. Dana, Dana Holderson. My bad. Holderson. Yeah. He was with all those guys, but all those guys call their own place, except for when Sonny has Tony Franklin. So, like, is it really? Like, I, I just, I just don't see it. And I do think that this is a make or break season for him because they went all in. They signed yeah, all, all transfers but one, and that's not going to, that's not going to endear you to the Texas High School Coaches Association, who, in a lot of times, can't save your job if things don't go well, and they're like you. No, and that's why I, I kind of felt like he was building a team to have some very quick success. I felt like Spavadol seeing all these young coaches doing well in the Sun Belt and, said, and saying, I'm losing my window of opportunity here. And you're right. You know, when he was brought in, everybody's like, oh, the air raid's coming to San Marcos. And that hasn't quite happened. Although, you know, they, they played better of late. So maybe this is the season, maybe not, but. You're right. I feel like the, the that window's closing on Spavadol, and he better show something sooner. <laughs> You're right. Those Texas high school coaches aren't going to be answering his phone call. No, no. Go ask um, go ask Charlie Strong and Tom Herman what those folks can do when they want when they want to. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah it, it's also um, worth pointing out too that Texas State like still really haven't figured out what they can be. And it was not a plug and play job. And, you know, here we are. Last game of the, of the weekend, Troy beat Southern, but the human jukebox was still on fire at the half. <laughs> well, I hate to break up this party, gents, but I got to bounce. But enjoy y'all having me. We had fun. So um, y'all have a good one. Thanks for joining us, yeah. Adam. Week two, it's, it was so much fun last week. We get to do it again. Kicking off on Friday, the rematch that started everyone not being able to say Chanticleer. Kansas goes to number 22, Can- uh, Coastal Carolina. Coastal opens as 25-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't think it's going to happen. Kansas got a win last week. They now know how to win. I think they're going to get two in a row here, and the clock is going to strike midnight on Coastal Carolina. Yeah, I think that uh, you have an interesting idea that Kansas has learned how to win. And at, when you first said that earlier today, I kind of went, rolled my eyes and thought, oh, come on, it's Kansas. But you know what? It's kind of like when a shark gets a taste of man, he can't go back to, to just eating tuna, right? He's got to get more man flesh. So maybe Kansas is in the same way. I thought that 25-point spread was a little heavy. Uh, I, I think Coastal comes away with the win just because, one, it's Kansas. And, two, I think Coastal is sort of still wrestling with a little bit of, of uh, maybe having too much of itself to think about. But uh, I think it, I think uh, Kansas does beat the spread, but Coastal wins. Yeah, and anytime you want to rush the field as a power five, I'm saying with air quotes here, to over a win over South Dakota of the FCS ranks. That told me a lot uh, about what's going on within the Kansas program. Um, I agree, that's a, that's a humongous line. When that popped, I was stunned. Um, you know, it's, it's rare that you ever see a G5 favored over a P5, uh, much less to that, that extent. But uh, very interested to see. I mean, these are guys that have been recruited to a Big 12 school. So um, you would think they would have some pride to come in there and not basically lose again uh, to Coastal. And crazier things have happened. And uh, but I think uh, Grayson and, and the and the uh, the sea chickens fly. I don't even know what to say about that. 
Sea chickens is, is, is definitely a new derogatory term from Ben Moore. Uh, Conway, the Conway Mafia will now be after Ben Moore. Not <laughs> Jeremy Harper or Dusty Thibodeau, but Ben Moore. Is, is that like the Amish Mafia, that, that bad TV show they had for a while? <laughs> exactly, only shirtless. The second game to me of the day on Saturday is the most intriguing. South Alabama goes to Bowling Green. I liked South Alabama last week against Southern Miss. I don't have a good feeling either way on this, but I think if the Jags can win it, it shows that they're legit, they're contenders, and I need to change my who's going to win the conference bet to South Alabama from <laughs> from Georgia State. I don't know if that's – all right, maybe from Georgia State. But uh, I, I will say this. I, I think there's a – I think it's the, the line on that's 15, right, 15 in favor of South Bama. Uh, I, I, I actually feel like that's a that's going to be a good game for South Alabama. I think they're going to win it pretty handedly. Uh, I really don't see a mediocre MAC team uh, really challenging South Alabama. So I, I even I, I thought uh, the that South Alabama played very well on offense in its game against Southern Miss. I feel like they're going to do just as well against uh, Bowling Green. I have no reason to think not to. So. I say even with the points, pick South Alabama. Yeah, I, I, I agree totally. But Bowling Green uh, did give uh, Tennessee some Georgia State flashbacks uh, from a couple years ago. Uh, but I think one of those situations where uh, Bowling Green's offense is just not good. Uh, they cannot score. And just like we've seen in the Sun Belt, if you can't score on the MAC, you don't win a whole lot. Um, I, I think the Jags are going to absolutely roll. One of the highlights I, I saw on week one was Miami where their turnover got overturned and they had to take the turnover chain off and put it back in the box. I say all that to say App State's headed to the U this week. Miami's only favored by eight. I think Miami can win it at home, but I think App State is going to give them every bit of trouble that they can at that 7 o'clock ESPN game. I 100% agree with you on that, Dusty. I I was looking at, I, I, I remember the game last year when uh, Miami came to uh, Boone and I really expected more from Appalachian State and, and they, they just didn't have it. Uh, I think they were missing some key players for that game. So that might have been one reason. Uh, I really do think Appalachian State's going to be hot for this game. I think they're going to play very well. I think Chase Bryce is the real thing. I, like I had said earlier in the show, I was kind of down on the guy uh, starting the season. Saw him in action. I've totally reversed course. He seems like another great quarterback coming out of Appalachian State. I don't know if they can beat Miami. I really don't. Uh, but I do think that the eight-point spread uh, might be in danger. So I, I think maybe Appalachian State goes down, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on those points. Yeah, big big factor, always playing Bama. They, they beat you up physically. They beat you up mentally. Uh, they reaction. Uh, and I believe the folks uh, stat stat driven have seen it. Uh, the the basically team playing in the second week tends to almost never cover that spread. Uh, so I like uh, the Mountaineers to hang out close and and also something that we continue to see as well. Uh, Miami was very very sloppy in pretty much all uh, angles of the game, and, and that game was you know pretty much knocked out by halftime. Um, you know, not a whole lot of De'Ara King uh, hype. And didn't see a whole lot going on there. I know he'll want to get out and running, uh, but always need to be careful against uh, that stingy App State defense. And 
uh, who knows, a pick here, a fumble there, and uh, Mountaineers, Mountaineers could pull off a uh, pull off a pretty big win there uh, down there in front of several hundred. I'm not going to say. I mean, it's not going to be a very packed uh, Hard Rock Stadium. I don't believe. Look, I've never been to a game at Miami, but I've been to games at FAU and FIU. FIU, I remember having a DJ, like a live DJ spinning records in the south end zone of their stadium. I picture Miami games being about like that. So they've got to be well attended, right? Uh, you know, there's a lot to do in Miami. Yeah. So maybe that might be part of the problem. You know, you put on your linen suit, you go out onto the beach. You, 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 I, I don't know what else that you do. I don't know, hang out, uh, do some swimming. But maybe do a little clubbing. But yeah, I don't know if 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 Appalachian State brings in the boys to the yard. I don't know. Maybe yeah, they don't have uh, very strong attendance for just about anybody, including Florida State, their uh, primary rival. Hmm. Um, it's been one of the kind of the criticisms, and specifically where Hard Rock is located, it's not exactly even near the the Miami campus. Um, so it's uh, you know quite a bit of a drive uh, to get up, get there, and uh, I'm I'm you know. It is an evening kick, uh, as as Jeremy mentioned. There is plenty to do in the three hundred five, uh, and Miami Miami versus Appalachian State is probably not uh, high on that. List. But it'll be high on our list. It'll it will be high on our yeah. list, just oh, yeah. like oh yeah. The next game, Liberty at Troy. Both teams kick the ever living crap out of an FCS school, so you can't really go based on what Week One showed us other than Liberty can beat Camels, uh, 48 to seven. I, I don't, it's, it's another pick them game that I just don't have a good feeling for again, though. I think if Troy can win it, it shows maybe that Troy is back and, and on the upswing in the West, but my gut tells me Liberty is out to show that they deserve to be in a conference and they're going to do everything they can to continue to beat conference-affiliated teams to uh, make themselves better. Oh, Troy. Okay. Well, then, because I was trying to think of what would be – what's the what's the, 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 the tipping point? Uh, playing it at Troy is a pretty big tipping point. Uh, they play big games in Troy. Uh, but the, then again, what – you know, Chip Lindsay, I think, is a terrific coach. Hugh Freeze is just one of those rare talents. And he's going to find a way to run circles around Troy, too. So that's going to be a really tough game for Troy to win, even at home. Uh, I, I, and, and, and maybe this is because I've never really seen what's the big deal about Troy this season. A lot of people seem to think Troy's a sleeper or Troy has some secret weapons out there that I just don't know about. I, I actually think Liberty wins this game. And I think they win in a, a sort of boring uh, at least from the Troy point of view, a boring fashion, sort of a, a, a fairly big score. Yeah, I like Liberty a lot. Uh, two offenses uh, that, that probably could score some points and, and be exciting to watch. Uh, I would definitely take the over in this game uh, from, from taking a look at week one performances. Uh, but I think, uh, again, I think this is a statement game for Troy and an opportunity for Coach Lindsay. So uh, we'll, we'll see if they can hang in. But I, I like uh, the visitors from Lynchburg. Memphis at Arkansas State, I truthfully think this comes down to which Arkansas State team shows up. Is this the first half against the Sugar Bears or the second half? If it's the second half, hands down, they beat Memphis. If it's the first, it's not even close. Memphis wins in a landslide and then some. Well, I'll try to keep this succinct as possible so as not to show any bias with the other teams. 
But uh, one thing, even though that there wasn't much scoring in the first half, and that was frustrating for fans to watch, something that was pleasing was that there was defense involved, which is something that Arkansas State hadn't showed in more than a year. So the defense, everybody's very excited about. Uh, if Arkansas State goes with Lane Hatcher this game, who who has a lot better rapport right now with the wide receivers, I think uh, Arkansas State wins this game over Memphis. Memphis is starting a, a, a freshman quarterback. They have a freshman uh, running back, uh, which they're both great players, but they're also inexperienced. I think the experience on Arkansas State side uh, uh, helps out in this game. I think the home field advantage works out. Uh, I think if Lane Hatcher's behind center, it's just a, a better feel. So I'm picking Arkansas State. Yeah, I like I like Arkansas State there as well. Um, I, I think you know we uh, we we don't fully comprehend the amount uh, and talking between those two uh, programs. We certainly see it. I know Jeremy, you live it, uh, seeing it all the time. Uh, there is that interconference uh, rivalry and, and proximity, which is always. Uh, always fun to see, uh, but but I think uh, uh, you know big opportunity for Butch Jones and the Red Wolves to go two and zero, and I definitely like them in the in the matchup. Nichols at Lafayette, sorry <laughs> Nichols, it's it's all Cajuns. Oh man, you said that with such gusto and enthusiasm. Well, come on, Nichols. You know they played they they played a tough game with Memphis uh, last week. Nichols is one of those crusty, crafty hard-nosed Louisiana FCS teams, right? No, they, they would <laughs> like a drum. <laughs> All right, then fine, Louisiana. Cage, uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Yes. Lafayette, there you go. <laughs> I, I like the Cajuns. I think uh, Levi Lewis gets his uh, Sunbelt Player of the Year uh, campaign back on track. Texas State at FIU. I know nothing about FIU having looked at it this year, but I did watch that Texas State game. If McBride can limit the turnovers – Texas State is a great, great, great team, and they're showing that. So as long as McBride is playing well, Texas State wins this one. Yeah, I think that's all the analysis you need on that, Dusty. It's got to be McBride. It's got to be the Bobcats putting up good defense. I always get FAU and FIU confused. I do it all the time. It's a little embarrassing uh, for me to admit that, but I could get confused as to who's coaching FIU and who's coaching FAU. I get confused. Which team is the better team? I think FIU is supposed to be the better team. Is that right? Or is it FAU this time? FAU is the better team right now because they're still having the leftovers from when Lane Kiffin was there. That's right. Okay. All right. So it's Butch. uh, Help me. Quit making me flounder. I like, I'm enjoying it. So flounder away. Butch Davis. Butch Butch Davis. Davis. For God's sake, I was calling Butch Jones, Butch Davis all the time. And now I can't remember his name. Yeah, I, I I feel like this is the Texas State out of conference game. This is the one that they're going to want to they're they're going to win. And it's going to prove to the people in San Marcos that maybe this is a team that can do some special things this season. And l- let me say this real quick, Ben, before you give your pick. Watching that Texas State game, you had one of the P five schools, one of the big schools that's only a couple hours away from you, and Texas State still couldn't sell out that stadium. Highly disappointing. Highly, highly disappointing. Just tells you a lot about, obviously, where Texas State and, and their fans and folks, uh, supporters of that program. And it, it is very much a show me, as Adam has mentioned, as we've talked about for pretty much several weeks. And, and I think this is an enormous uh, game for that. You, you can't come back uh, with another loss uh, or, or, to your point, the next few weeks, the next few home games uh, are going to be even more sparse at, at Texas State. I like the Bobcats' desperate team. And uh, as you guys have hit on, 
a little bit less turnovers of that Bobcat offense. Georgia State travels to North Carolina to cap off week two. I will not pick Georgia State again because I got shamed last week. That was an absolutely dreadful game. I blame Ben 140% for it. 170%. North Carolina all the way. Powder blue. Screw your regular brew. <laughs> you know, here's the, here's the thing, Dusky. I really got burned by Ben's analysis. And I, I may oh, you too. Burn. I may not financially recover from it, but you know what I did about four hours ago? Played the lottery. Straight up bet 10 bucks on Georgia State to beat North Carolina. Here's why. I'm like, you know what, Georgia State, that you get beat by a team like Army, which Army always makes, especially that first week of the season, that offense always makes you look stupid. So it's not like Georgia State's the first team that's ever been uh, befuddled by the Army. So I feel like Georgia State learns a lot of lessons from this, picks them up themselves up by the bootstraps, and really puts on a show against North Carolina, who, quite frankly, uh, probably is feeling a bit befuddled itself. Yeah, I watched every single snap of the North Carolina-Virginia Tech game last Friday night. Um, Sam Howell did not look good, was pressured a lot. Uh, I think the Panthers will have uh, all six players that missed the Army game, including five starters, back this weekend. Um, I know the line continues to rise. I think it opened up at 24. It's up to 25 and a half at last check. Um, I, I do think the Panthers uh, were challenged, uh, you know, will be challenged, has been challenged all week. Coach Elliott, you know, hammering the offensive line that just was miserable uh, against uh, the Army Black Knights on Saturday. Um, I think this is definitely a show-me game uh, for Georgia State. They have an opportunity to put some points on the board. And uh, North Carolina's, you know, defense looked, you know, well, could not handle a mobile quarterback, and I'm interested to see Quad Brown get out there and run a little bit, uh, having his weapons back. But I uh, do not do like North Carolina uh, by at least three touchdowns for sure. Hey, was the ULM? What's the uh, line for them and by? Uh, you know, <laughs> in, in in years past, by would be favored by double digits. I, th- I think this year, this year, it's a pick 'em. Uh, right. in, in all seriousness, I mean. I like the early buy. I like what Bowden was trying to do of go all in on the Kentucky game as much as you can. Um, and then you have a week off to kind of make the adjustments, make sure everyone's healthy and good to go before you kind of hit the stretch of the season, trying to get yourself better before you start looking next week to Georgia, uh, Georgia state. Yeah. Um, Jackson state and those hideous Chrome colored helmets that don't even say Jackson State. How ashamed of you of your school if you don't put the name of the school in there? Anyway, I digress. Last week, me and Ben tied two and one on our picks. Jeremy, one and two. Oh, you know what? I bet with my heart, though. See, that's the key. That's the problem. So you guys use stats and stuff, and it always wings out. But I'm betting with my heart. And you always eventually that's going to win out, guys. Love. That's what wins out. Speaking of love... Idaho won last week, shut out 68 to nothing. This week, they play the misspelled Indianus in, in, in for the rest of the nation. So we'll see how the, the Vandals are after traveling to Indiana. Best of, luck to Indiana. Best of luck to former Sunbelt superstars, the Vandals. We're, we're glad where they are where they are. I love it. Well, that wraps up episode 11. 
We thank you again for joining us in, in all of our madness and mayhem. We leave you, though, with our parting shots, plugs, and promos. My parting shot is definitely the you had one job. How do you screw up spelling the name of your school if it's the state you're in? I mean, really, how do you do that? You know, quite frankly, I think there was a Arkansas State's jersey snafu that made the rounds on the internet a couple of years ago. So I really, I can't put too much blame on, on the poor equipment manager who ironed on the wrong or sewed on the wrong letters to that jersey. But yeah, it's pretty embarrassing on national TV. That, that, that got maybe too much publicity to, to handle. I thoroughly enjoyed it though, but so uh, that's definitely my, uh, my, my parting shot plug in as always warhawkreport.com covering the Warhawks. We uh, were there for the post game of the Kentucky game. We will work on this week, seeing uh, kind of breaking down that game and seeing where we need to go to go forward. And uh, you know, as always hit us up on the Twitter for the podcast itself, fun belt PC, uh, my parting shot is congratulations to both Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State for giving the Sun Belt a 2-0 start to the season. It was actually, I, it felt like Thursday was owned by the Sun Belt. Uh, the, the both teams acquitted themselves well. Both looked good on the field. I think there's a pretty good crowd at that uh, East Carolina-Appalachian uh, State game. So good for them. They, they, they represented the, the conference well. Uh, as always, you can find my stuff at howraiser.com. We've got some uh, uh, look at some lessons learned by the Sun Belt in week one and a preview of Memphis versus Arkansas State. So check it out. Yeah, my uh, my party shot uh, kind of mirrors what you guys have said. And it's been a, a big week, uh, you know, obviously a profile week there in week one. Uh, I think this is kind of where it gets even bigger. Uh, e- enormous opportunity. We talked about a little bit earlier with Coastal having an opportunity to blow out Kansas, uh, we know Kansas is not a good Power Five team. They're not, heck, not a F- good FBS team. But uh, you pound them. Uh, I believe they're 17th in one of the polls uh, that was released today. Continuing to kind of try to march that on and uh, continue to 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 have the have the flag wave uh, for the entire league. So very interested to see uh, the games as we discussed. And uh, PantherTalk.com. The Panthers have a basketball schedule. Uh, we we haven't quite given up on the rest of the 11 games, but uh, Georgia state does have a basketball schedule. It uh, does feature 30 games. And we talked about it. Uh, we're, we have had one nice North Carolina fan jump on and say, they hope we, they, you know, the Panthers enjoy their trip to Keenan stadium, just not win. So that would- <laughs> that's very nice of them. I have one more part parting shot Tibbs before we take off too. I, I just want to uh, remind everybody that there were six FCS up, uh, upsets of G5 or what let's just say FBS schools none of them from the Sun Belt so the Sun Belt avoided that emasculation once again I think they've had have a pretty good record again uh, with the FCS of late and I hope we keep up with that well for Dusty Jeremy Ben episode 11's in the books guys we'll do it again next week dropping it on Tuesday where we will talk bowl games <laughs> already yeah already <laughs> two weeks in Ever too early We're going bowling, baby. Thanks a lot. We'll see y'all later. All right, Dust.